After years as a pediatric nurse, I thought I was so ready for motherhood. <laughs> yes, we can all take a collective laugh at my naivete now. Don't worry, I have. In today's world, we're pressured to keep it all together as at an all-time high, and true community is increasingly harder to find. Where can we turn to for support, guidance, or just a plain chat about the real stuff? This podcast aims to be just that, community, education, and a real combo on all things parenting. So come take a seat at my kitchen table. We're all family here, and we hold nothing back. My name is Jordan, and this is the Supportive Parenthood RM Podcast. I am a bit of a nerd when it comes to generational studies. I find them fascinating and clear patterns can be seen in parenting styles. Obviously, these are generalizations, but the generalizations are based on trends within a generation. In terms of parenting, I've always been fascinated by how clear it is that generations' parenting styles are in reaction to the previous generation style, almost as if rebellion is hardwired into the human psyche, I swear. In a nutshell, you have the silent or traditional generation. This generation is the parents or were the parents of baby boomers. Their style was very authoritarian, children should be seen and not heard type style. The boomers come along being one of the first generations where mothers were focusing on their careers and two incomes were increasingly needed. So their parenting style took more of like a laissez-faire, very permissive stance. The whole come on home when the lights turn on, but I actually have no idea what you're doing all day type style. It is important to mention here that Around this time is when early childhood development theories started being widely available. There wasn't much instruction or even research into the psychology of how to raise mentally healthy children until at the earliest, the 1940s. Uh, True early childhood development theories such as Piaget's cognitive stages of development, uh, while researched in the 1940s and 50s, didn't actually become popular until the 60s. And then Then Erickson's stages of development was researched and released in the 60s and uh, revolutionary education models such as like the Montessori school and stuff were not really known to the everyday parent until the mid to late 20th century. So not only did this explosion of research into psychology happen, but it's also important to remember that the U.S. didn't really see true prosperity until post-World War II. The parents of yesteryear were essentially just focused on surviving, not optimizing their children's development. That is definitely a privilege of a wealthy nation. Fast forward to the 1990s and the latchkey kids that were the baby boomers kids grew up to be Gen X, who saw immense prosperity happen as they entered parenthood and aspired to give their children everything they didn't have. This generation was the most highly educated generation up to that point and were exposed to things such as early childhood development and parenting theories. This generation took the intellectualization of parenting and became hyper-involved, the helicopter parents. (laughs) Now millennials are the parents of today, and we have taken the examples of the past and entered new frontiers of parenting. We're aiming to maintain our own sanity and individuality while also taking all the information at our fingertips into account as we raise what we hope to be healthy kids. This intense intellectualization of parenting has resulted in many parenting style movements from tiger mom to gentle parenting to free range to rewilding, intuitive or attachment parenting. There's just so many different styles and schools of thought surrounding parenting now that sometimes it can absolutely be very intimidating to sift through. Begging the question, how the heck do we raise our kids? (laughs) 
So that's kind of what I am looking at today is the various parenting styles. Parenting style is influenced by a range of factors such as resources, education level, and most of all, parental personality. One of the best things about this big, beautiful world that we live in is that we need a lot of different types of people for everything to run smoothly. Therefore, there is really no one right way to raise a child. And at the end of the day, all a child really needs is love, their basic needs met, consistency and boundaries to feel safe, and some more love. That's it. All the extra stylistic fluff is just that, stylistic fluff. As long as a kid truly has needs met, consistent boundaries, and love, they're on a good path. So I do believe it's important to game out a general parenting style and your parenting values before ever having children. This way you can focus your parenting. Gaming out a parenting style really helps you with staying consistent creating healthy boundaries for your child. It also helps you have a touchstone for when you question if you're quote unquote doing a good job. If you can sit back in those moments where you're doubting yourself or questioning or wondering and check in with yourself on pre-established values and essentially goals of parenting, then one of two things will happen. You'll either realize you're deviating from how you want to parent and you can realign and refocus Or you will get a sense of confidence and pride in realizing that you are actually living out your parenting values. Regularly checking in with yourself to make sure that your parenting behavior is consistent is both beneficial to you and your child. And you really can't do this check-in, this reality check, if you haven't established your style and values beforehand. We live in an age of information. So I believe that it is important to discern your values before I stress that before you ever do research and start getting inundated with information. I personally did two exercises right after getting pregnant to help establish my values. The first was where I asked myself, what characteristics do I want my child to have that I actually have the ability to foster or teach? I came up with the list, just like free thought, all sorts of things, you know, kind, polite, independent, wild, just all sorts of different adjectives and characteristics that I wanted to foster in my future child. And then I put that list away. I later came back to it and I grouped like words together. For example, kind and polite. To me, these go hand in hand. You can't be a kind person without being polite. So after I grouped the words together, I looked at each grouping and chose one word that truly represented them all. I then made a new list where I put in big letters the all-encompassing words of the group, and then below them, I put characteristics that related to them that I had on my original list. So for example, one of the big grouping all-encompassing words was independent, and under independent, I had confident, strong-willed, resilient, self-aware, courageous, capable, and adventurous. Independence is incredibly important to me. If my child grows up to be independent, then I know I did my job. So I knew that it may suck for me as a parent, but I do my best to not squash any stubbornness, rebellion, or strong will in my child because even though it makes my life harder, it serves my child in the long run. This is an example of why I think it's important to figure out what you value ahead of time because fast forward three years later and now I have a complete wild child. She frequently tells me no and is very stubborn. And sometimes the urge to tell her, just listen to me because I said so, 
is very strong. I often check in with myself and make sure that my parenting is fostering the values I want in her. My big rule for myself, a huge value or check-in point with myself is that I want to parent consistent with my values for her. I never want to discipline for my own comfort. If I'm disciplining for my comfort, then I have strayed away from my parenting values. So like having that kind of rule or boundary for myself is really important because when I start to go discipline, I sit there and think, okay, hold on. Is this for my comfort or her benefit? And if it's for her benefit, if it's creating a good boundary or fostering a good characteristic, then I proceed with the consequence or the, you know, whatever's going on. But if I am telling her no or disciplining for my own comfort because it makes my life easier, then that is when I take a step back and go, all right, hold up. This is not aligned with what I want to do. Independence, like I said, is really important to me. So, you know, I, knowing that while also trying to maintain appropriate boundaries, I, you know, ask her questions when she has an option. Like, do you want to wear the pink or the blue shirt? You know, she has that option, but she doesn't have an option if it's time to take a bath. And I say, hey, let's go take a bath. You know, giving her options and then respecting her no or her choice when she answers is really important because I want her to have the confidence in herself to be independent, knowing she's always supported. And I actively try and allow her to make choices and make mistakes and take a step back. When she does things I'm nervous, I'll ask her, all right, what's what's your plan here? (laughs) To show her this is something we should be cautious about, but I trust her to figure it out herself. I want her to know her body limits. I want her to make mistakes. I want her to be curious. And thus, it's a paramount part of my parenting style that I don't hover. This is actually something I touched on in What Makes a Happy Kid episode when discussing the Dutch parenting book. This is a cornerstone of their style that they foster confident independence in an age-appropriate manner. So when my kid decides that she's going to jump off the couch because she's imitating a superhero, I look around to make sure her landing zone is safe, and then I take a deep breath and allow her to do this. Does it align with my parenting values? Yes. Do I hate it? Also, yes. (laughs) And this is the part that truly gets to the heart of why I think discerning your parenting values is important, you know, because your gut reaction will be to keep your kids safe or to not let them do this or to not let them get into that. And when you have a clear, this is what I want to foster in my child, then it helps you stay consistent in that because, you know, do I really want my kid jumping off my couch? No, I don't. But what is that doing? If I say no, that's more for my comfort because I'm afraid for her safety, even though it's relatively safe. We don't have a very high couch. She's jumping onto a blanket because I made sure her landing zone's safe. She's okay. I'm actively reminding myself in those moments what my parenting values are. So I make sure that my parenting style is consistent. And even though it might not be the funnest thing at the moment, I know that she is learning consistent lessons that I'm teaching her. I am modeling consistent behavior. And in my mind, I might be screaming internally, but my parenting style doesn't deviate from the characteristics and values that I want to instill in her. The second thing I did was essentially the same thing, but with my partner. Dylan and I did the ABCs of characteristics where we both put an adjective that we would like our child to have or exhibit for each letter of the alphabet. Then we compared lists. Anything that was similar or the same, we put on a separate list. 
Then we narrowed the separate list down to our top five favorite shared characteristics. This helped us discuss what was important to us and be on the same page about what we valued the most and hash out any other differences. If one person wants their kid to be strong-willed and the other wants an obedient child, that's a huge conflict and needs to be resolved before a child enters the picture. Luckily, Dylan and I share a lot of the same values and really only had to reconcile when certain things were more important to one person than the other. And this is totally fine if each parent has different focuses because, you know, you have two parents for a reason. Both parents can have a certain set values that they're instilling in their kid and then that's going to make a more well-rounded kid. As long as you're on the same page with your core values and it really doesn't matter if parents have similar but a little bit different styles. But each parent needs to know what the important values are of the other partner so they can respect and support the approach of the other. Talking about this ahead of time before you have kids I think is paramount as well because Again, like I said, if you have two extremely opposing values, that is going to come up and cause conflict and inconsistency in your kid's life. It's also going to cause arguments between the partners, and that's just not healthy for anybody. So I think talking about this at a time is important. I think realizing that you have similar goals and values is important because at the end of the day, two parents or, you know, whether that they be partners, friends, co-parents, whatever, whatever dynamic, the guiding parents in a child's life are a team. You are a united front. And so I do think it's really important, whatever dynamic your family situation's in, that you discuss and communicate shared values so that you can be consistent and you united front and have clear, consistent boundaries for your kids. And doing this before kids ever get into the picture will make resolving conflict or checking in with each other because you can check in with your partner and make sure you both are being consistent together and on a united front, just like you check in with yourself. Now that you have parsed out your own goals and values when it comes to parenting, you can either say, cool, now I have a focus. I don't need anyone or anything else to influence this. And that's totally okay. You are the parent. No one else should have a say. But if you want to learn a little more, that's okay too. I personally like to research a little bit, not to the point of driving myself crazy with information overload, but enough to encounter things that I may not have thought of. This way I can seek to understand myself even more. Uh, first, first, I want to touch on an early childhood development theory that helps guide me in my parenting. I personally love Eric Erickson's stages of development. I had to memorize them for nursing school and it just stuck with me. I often think about them when relating to my child. I am going to link to a very well article about it in the show notes because I find it helpful when understanding childhood development. Side note, love very well sites for succinct and clear info. Totally amazing resource. Anyway, essentially the theory breaks down stages that are built upon each other. For example, the first stage is trust versus mistrust. It's the infancy stage. And if your infant's needs are all consistently met, then they develop trust and thus can healthily move towards the next stage, having trust in their environment and in people and have a just a healthy sense of their world. Then they are able to move healthily into the next stage, which is autonomy versus shame and doubt. I love this theory because it helps focus what the child's needs are. 
If you're looking at your infant and thinking, okay, to develop properly, you need to know that your needs will be met and that you are safe. Then this helps tune out a lot of the extra noise surrounding the like 52 million things that we should all apparently be doing for our child. So now I look at my toddler and I think, okay, now you are learning that you are capable of doing things on your own and for yourself. I want to foster that and not lead to shame or doubt in your abilities. So I focus on allowing as much independence as possible so she can grow confident herself. These stages build upon each other, essentially adding a layer to a child with each new stage. A toddler still needs to know that their basic needs will be met and that they are safe, but now they also need to know that they are capable of doing things on their own. If you haven't figured it out by now, I highly, highly intellectualize parenting. (laughs) This is simply my personality. I intellectualize everything in my life. I tend to have a lot of anxiety surrounding if I'm doing things properly. So I find it really grounding when I educate myself and intellectualize things. It helps me focus and it helps me stay on track and and have a little bit of evidence-based practice (laughs) behind all of my actions. I suppose that's the nurse in me. I need need my evidence-based practice. (laughs) So if this type of approach helps you as well, you are my kind of person. Okay, so now to the nitty gritty of parenting styles. Psychology generally recognizes four big types of parenting styles, authoritarian, authoritative, permissive, and negligent. This closely correlates with the four types of attachment styles, in my opinion, which are secure attachment, avoidant attachment, ambivalent attachment, and disorganized attachment. So let's kind of dive in and define these a little bit. Authoritarian style focuses entirely on obedience. This style focuses on rules, enforcing said rules, and punishment if the rules are broken. It's a very rigid style of parenting and often leads to avoidant attachment style in children. Avoidant attachment style is characterized by aggressive and angry children in reaction to learning that their emotional needs are not responded to with empathy. Avoidant attachment is exhibited by children putting distance between themselves and their parental figures instead of aiming for a closer relationship. Authoritative style focuses on creating a positive relationship with your child characterized by healthy boundaries, flexibility, empathy, and an explanation of the rules and consequences so a child understands why a boundary is in place and learns appropriate behavior. This style often leads to a secure attachment. Secure attachment is just as it sounds. A child exhibits a confidence that their needs, both physical and emotional, will be met by their care provider and thus are healthy and well-adjusted in their relationships with the rest of the world. Permissive style is very lenient with a lack of enforcement of what little boundaries and rules may even be in place. This style essentially allows kids to do whatever they want and figure it out for themselves along the way. This style can lead to ambivalent attachment. Ambivalent attachment is characterized by behavioral issues in children as they're seeking attention and boundaries. This attachment style results from inconsistent and unreliable caregiver actions in meeting the child's needs. And then last, we have negligent style, which is just as it sounds, completely uninvolved in a child's life. There are few rules. The parents rarely know anything about a kid's life or their whereabouts, and just there is a complete lack of attention. This style often results in disorganized attachment style. 
this attachment is in response to an entirely unreliable, absent, or unsafe caregiver. And this is exhibited by a child relating to their caregiver in a very chaotic, confused, or unpredictable way. Obviously, all of this is with the caveat that we learn more things about human psyche every day, all children are different, and that these four generalizations come in a lot of variations. And it's more of just a general framework to kind of look at things than it is set in stone. So we have those basic psychological structures. And then there are cultural parenting styles that I touched on earlier. And there are a ton of these. And I feel like they definitely come and go in fads sometimes. And some are here to stay. And, you know, there's just quite a few of these. So some of the examples of this is gentle parenting, intuitive parenting, attachment parenting, free range, rewilding, helicopter, tiger mom, and so forth. I'd argue that most of the cultural styles are rooted in one of the four main types of psychological style, for lack of a better word, um, but they add more flourish to it. So they each emphasize something different and, in my opinion, add more value to the original big four. For example, gentle parenting is essentially authoritative parenting, but focuses more on positive reinforcement, modeling, and age-appropriate guidance. It adds more concrete parenting tools to authoritative parenting style, but it is still child-focused, boundary-setting, and kind. Uh, in one line, I'm going to try and summarize each cultural parenting style in one line a little bit. Uh, so gentle parenting focuses on modeling appropriate behavior and empathy. Intuitive parenting is just as it sounds, pretty much lacking any kind of structure and basing all decisions off intuition. Rewilding focuses on letting kids feral, natural state fly. Helicopter is hyper-involved in a child's life, often to the point where the child doesn't know how to do anything for themselves. And tiger parenting is a rigid enforcement of rules and high expectations in the pursuit of excellence. There are so many more styles and schools of thought, but those seem to be ones that I ran into the most. Gentle parenting, I would say, is all the rage these days. It is evidence-based and seems to produce the healthiest individuals. I will admit I had not heard of gentle parenting until my kid was around one-ish. And I learned that the core pillars of my personal parenting style actually subscribe to this train of thought. And that mainly centers around understanding on both child and parent's part. So apparently I am a gentle parent. <laughs> I will link some of my favorite gentle parenting Instagrams because while I subscribe to my own values above all else, often these Instagrams or graphics on Pinterest that I come across and stuff help me how to learn to react in certain ways that do align with my values or reframe my way of thinking in ways I didn't consider before. Like how I mentioned earlier, whenever my child is doing something a little, a little risky and I say, hey, what's your plan here? That's actually something I believe... I got from the busy toddler Instagram um, and that was her approach. And I love it because it helped me learn how to parent within my values. Like when my kid was doing something risky before, I didn't necessarily know how to approach it. You know, I wanted to say, hey, be careful, but that's not teaching her that she's capable. And so I didn't really know how to approach within my values. And then I saw on this Instagram, they're like, yeah, when my kid's doing something risky, I say, hey, what's the plan? Because it shows them, hey, we should be thinking about this, but I also trust you to come up with a plan. I was like, holy crap, that's brilliant. <laughs> 
Again, I love always kind of trusting yourself and knowing your own values first, but I really do believe there's so much amazing content out there that really helps kind of with little tips or focusing down or reteaching you or even just teaching you how to parent within your own values. If you didn't grow up with a parent, the parents the way you want to, then how are you expected to learn if you don't, if you're not exposed to that kind of content or parenting style? I believe figuring out your parenting style helps alleviate some anxiety surrounding parenting. It's a daunting job since you go into it with a little to no experience and are expected to raise an entirely functioning human. I think the best kind of parenting is the one that is a balance between informed and intuition. Every child is different and will need different things, and no one will understand your child's needs better than you. Your parenting style may even alter between children if you have more than one. Just like boundaries, parenting style is best when it is a clear framework, but flexible to meet the individual demands of your life, yourself, and your specific children. However, I do think that if you go into parenting without ever having thought of how you want to parent and what's important to you, that it'll just cause a lot of inconsistency, confusion, and anxiety on everyone's part. As a pediatric nurse, I have seen hundreds of parent-child dynamics. It's actually kind of amazing how quickly you can uncover an entire dynamic, even through pretense, because trust me, there is a lot of pretense in medicine. <laughs> when people bring in their kids, they try to fool you 20 ways to Sunday. But it is amazing how you can quickly uncover an entire dynamic when you spend 12 straight hours with people in stressful situations. I now have gained the ability to spend roughly 30 minutes to an hour with a dynamic and be able to sense what kind of parenting style they subscribe to, the unhealthy aspects of a dynamic, and where those unhealthy aspects may come from. Like I said in What Makes a Good Mom episode, we all screw our kids up in some aspect. We will all fail in some aspect because we are human, and what really matters when it comes down to it is when you are a parent is that you are trying your best, you're always working to improve, and you're pouring as much love into your child as possible. That's it. I hope this episode really just helped either introduce new ways of looking at things or gave you a little bit more structure to think about things or whatnot. I sincerely hope that it doesn't make you think that if you haven't done this kind of exercise or if you don't think about these kind of things the way I do, that you're automatically a bad parent. That is never the message here. No, no, no. Just like we don't talk about Bruno, we don't talk about bad parenting. I'm really here to spread information, to spread things that helped me a little bit, and to try and make parenting, the journey of parenting, a little bit easier. Especially since people don't often sit down and have these kind of conversations. So I'm going to have them. I freaking love talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this little rundown of parenting styles and be sure to join us on our next episode as we talk about the push and pull between children and a career as we round out this month's theme of contemplating motherhood. Thank you so much for listening. It's truly been a pleasure being a part of your day. If you liked today's episode and want to stick around, hit that subscribe button. We would love to have you join us for each episode. You can check out detailed show notes on my website, supportedparenthoodrn.com, or find me on Instagram at supportedparenthoodrn.